0: To the message for this morning, and um, uh, I love uh, I, uh, I love the uh, the prophetic books uh, of the Scripture. I believe every every minister um, has a particular area that they lean to more than anything else, uh, and they are called to that becomes their forte, so to speak, and um, uh, Revelation, Daniel, uh, parts of Ezekiel and Zechariah as uh, something that I have dealt in going all the way back to when I first started ministering, I have done a lot, and um, uh, I love the book of Revelation, uh, and Matter of fact, out of all 66 books in the Bible, Revelation is the only book that has a blessing pronounced upon those who read it. Did you know that? Amen. There's a blessing, a special blessing attributed to those who read and study the book of Revelation. Uh, and uh, we're going to start today and most of the time, I teach this, and I, it's usually done on Wednesday nights or or like that. And um, but uh, I'm going to be doing this on Sunday morning uh, because we just got through a series on becoming the church, and we dealt with that for uh, uh, several messages and. I'm going to begin today. We're going to talk on the seven churches in Revelation, uh, and we're going to be dealing with well, with this for the next uh, few weeks on Sunday morning. And uh, we're going to see how uh, God relates to the church and the work of God in the church. And I think it's it's great to come right behind. What we just got through talking about and dealing with uh, uh, the church itself, and uh, I believe you're going to enjoy this and uh, and, and, and get a lot of uh, our things out of it. Uh, sadly, a lot of people today uh, they uh, they don't respect the church like they used to. Uh, even among some people who attend from time to time people don't uh, show reverence to the house of God like they used to show going back as far as I can remember my one of my earliest and first spankings that I received was because I was acting up in church I learned at a young age not to come in God's house doing this I learned from an early age not to to jump around and to talk and to to laugh in in, in the church. Some people are of the the view, and you might be a part of the view, I don't know, but I disagree strongly with this view that all this is is another building, that's not so because this place was dedicated for God's people to enter. And to give glory to God. And it's a sanctified place. Uh, And it should be reverenced. It should be respected. Uh, Not everything needs to be up on the platform of the church. And these kind of things that I'm talking about does affect how God allows the anointing to flow through the church. I believe one of the reasons why we have been blessed down through the years with the anointing of God, I, have, I, have, I haven't been perfect at it. There have been areas that I have uh, I, I missed out and I, and I messed up or whatever, but I do the best I can uh, to, uh, to see to it that God's house is reverenced and respected. Because I know if we don't, pretty soon, we're, we're going we're gonna to cut the hand off that feeds. So, let's get started in this today. The seven churches of Revelation. And uh, see what the Lord will direct us today. And uh, we've got some new equipment up top. We've got a camera that is set up. Uh, Chris is on uh, another computer, and uh, uh, this uh, will be, and he's still working some kinks out. But uh, as best we can, we're going to be live streaming every service uh, 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 on Facebook uh, uh, to begin with. And then later on, we're going to be putting... uh, putting these recordings on our website uh, that you can go and, uh, and and look just like you've been going and clicking and listening to messages. You'll be able to go eventually on the website and see our services. All right, we're going to be going to the book of Revelation chapter. I got one here. Thank you. <laughs> chapter one, and we're going to read verses nine through twenty. And if you notice, I said Revelation, singular. You ever noticed how a lot of people? Uh, I've been sometimes I, I, I go, I say, man, you, you need to come here. This we got this guy teaching in in, in, in Revelation, and he's really good. And I'll come check it out. And I get there, and he says, okay, we're going to the Book of Revelations. I automatically, right there, I say, well, I'm wondering how good this is going to be. It's not, it's not revelations. There's only one revelation. Hallelujah. Chapter 1, verses 9 through 20. It's a lot of more reading what I do at the beginning, but we need to get all of this in. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos, for the Word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamus, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice of that uh, uh the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded with the Uh, about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Let's pray. Lord, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you for the privilege we have to come together and unite as one into the house today. We pray, Lord, for those among us who uh, is not here. We ask your blessings upon them. And as we are here today, entered into your word, we're asking God that you will give us direction and guidance, let your Holy Spirit direct as we attempt to minister From your word today, I pray for each and every one. We will be encouraged, lifted up, and blessed. And when it's all over with, when we leave here today, we can all say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. The first message today in this series, I've entitled this, Jesus in the Midst. Jesus in the Midst. The reason why that I say this is because when John looked around to see the voice that was talking to him, it came from the back, and he looked around and he saw seven lampstands, and in in the middle of those seven lampstands was one like the Son of Man, which is Jesus Christ. He was in the middle there standing. We're going to talk today and open up and lay a foundation talking about Jesus in the midst, but we're going to get really acquainted with the church and let me let me uh, let me just ask right now, if we got some folks uh, that can say, uh, Brother, "Brother Sammy, I uh, I like I like the milk of the word, but uh, I think I can chew a little meat today." Does anybody think you can chew a little meat today? Let's just see what the Lord will uh, uh, direct us, John had been exiled to, to an island called Patmos because of his faith. Uh, he was put out there to try to get rid of him and uh, put him out there and exile them away from everybody else. And at the time the book of Revelation was written, It was written somewhere around 96 AD. Now, to give you some perspective there, you know, Christ uh, lived uh, somewhere and was crucified around 33 and a half AD. Revelation, uh, most scholars put it around 96 AD. So, by the time this book was written, John was probably the last living apostle of the original 12 at the time of his exile. And if you know anything about history, you'll know that all 11 others had been martyred. They had been killed. Their life had been taken away from them because of the name of Jesus. And John, by the way, was the only one who died a natural death. All the rest of them was martyred for the name of Jesus. He was the sole eyewitness still alive. He was one of the inner circle of Jesus Christ. He had been separated now from the church. They had taken him away from the church that he was a part of. And he was alone in exile. And as he was there... He said he was in the spirit of the Lord's day. Hallelujah. John was kind of like Paul and Silas several years prior where they were put in the prison after they had been severely beaten with blood running down their back. They're in chains inside a dungeon. But at midnight, they was not complaining, they was not singing. Gloom, despair and agony on me. Hallelujah. But at midnight, they began to sing praises unto God. Hallelujah. They begin to give glory and praise unto the Lord in the midst of their storm, in the midst of their trouble, in the midst of their situation. Oh, hallelujah. There is nothing that disturbs the enemy as much to see a child of God remain in the faith and lift up the name of Jesus even though they're going through a bad time. They sung up a earthquake. Well, here was John now, and on that that island, on the Lord's day, he got in the spirit. Hallelujah! He didn't have an organ player, didn't have a drummer, didn't have a bass guitar. He didn't have a choir. Aren't you glad to know that we don't need none of all this extra add-on stuff to walk in the Spirit of God? We don't need the lights and the smoke and the cameras to get in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And as he was there meditating or worshiping or praising God, I don't... The Bible don't say exactly what he was doing, but all of a sudden from behind him, hallelujah, put up that picture that we got. all of a sudden, there was a voice begin to talk. Hallelujah." And he turned around to see the voice, and it was Jesus. Jesus began to talk to him, and he said, I want you to write down in a book the things that you're about to see. And he said, I want you to send this to the seven churches that are in Asia. And then he named off those seven churches. Now, by this time, the church had spread many places. And there was a lot more than just seven congregations. There were churches all over that Apostle Paul had had started. The reason why it was to these seven churches was because these seven churches best represented that the ages and the periods and the dispensations that the church as a whole would go through from the time of of, uh, the day of Pentecost to the, the, uh, the culmination of all things. There were seven literal churches, but they also represented, and they were typical of seven different periods and things that the church would go through. When John turned to see the voice, he said, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. The description of the church as a lampstand is instructive. The lampstand was one of three items in the holy place in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. If you'll recall and remember, the priest went into the holy place twice a day. He went in twice a day with oil for the lamps, fresh bread for the table of of presents, and incense and a coal of fire to burn on an altar of incense inside the tabernacle. Hallelujah. The light of the lampstand was to be kept burning 24-7. It was never to go out never to go out. You see, it represented the wisdom of God from the Word of God. The Holy Spirit of God, oil and fire. It also pointed forward to the day when God's Spirit would dwell in the hearts of the members of the body of Christ, the church. When John turned to see the voice, he saw Jesus standing in the middle In the midst of his bride, glory to God, the church. But in that moment, John saw the glory of Jesus in the light of the lampstands. Follow me now. He saw the glory of Jesus in the light of the lampstands. This is the purpose of the church. Hallelujah. As Jesus was standing there, The light from those seven lamps was illuminating Jesus. Come on, somebody. It was lighting up around, and Jesus was the center. He was the focal point, if you please. And that was the very purpose of the church. Amen. Amen. The very purpose of the church with the oil and fire of the Holy Spirit, the church magnifies and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ, her glorious husband and constant companion. Hallelujah. Listen to me now. The church does not call attention to or lift up herself. Never. Never the church calls attention to and lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's only one we should be glorifying and lifting up every time we come together. And it's not the pastor. Come on. It's not nobody else. But it's the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be illuminating him. This is the fruit of the church, the life of Jesus. The church produces the fruit by abiding in Christ. Now, the church has the word of God and the wisdom of God dwelling in each of its members, in each believer, by the presence of the Holy Ghost. The Lord Jesus has always been in the midst of his bride, the church, and always will be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus in the midst. Do you realize, folks, that that's how come we're able to bind things on the earth? That's how come we are able to loose things on the earth? That's how come we can pray the prayer of faith? People can be saved healed, and delivered, if we ever quit focusing on Jesus, and if Jesus is not in the center of the church, it's going to die. It's going to die. It can't survive. Now, there are two things I want to talk about today in and, uh, and, and this message about Jesus in the midst. First, I want to talk about the betrothal of a bride, the betrothal of a bride, hallelujah. Look around, the church is the bride of Christ, hallelujah, the church is the bride of Christ. Now, let's talk about something here. And just give me a little time, and I want to to take my time. In the Middle East, during the days of Jesus, and even for generations prior and generations after, and still today in a lot of uh, places around the, the world, a bride was sought out by the Father of the future bridegroom. Amen. Uh, for the most part that's the way it's always been since creation. America society kind of changed that when America was founded. but when it come time for a male child to get old enough to wed, the father would go out and select a bride for the bridegroom. The bride, listen to me now, and you can see where I'm going to be going to. The bride should not come from contaminated bloodline. <laughs> now, I told you we were going to get in some meat, and you got, huh, uh, Brother Johnson, like Brother Poston, used to say sometimes, I hope somebody can hear me in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The bride should not come from a contaminated bloodline. The qualities of the bride should be pure and never from a foreign lineage that served other gods other than Jehovah. I'm going to give you one example. I could give you more, but I'm going to give you one example because of time. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis, the 24th chapter, and we're going to read the first four verses. Now Abraham was old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, please, Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. One of the last things that Abraham uh, did before he was carried on to meet with the Lord was to make sure that Isaac, that promised son, would have a bride. So he took the most trusted member of his household, his servant Eliezer, his name was his name, and he said I want you to promise me that you're going to take care of this. I'm not able to do it. I'm putting this in your charge. I need you to go seek a bride for my son. Now, are you ready? God the Father had in his foreknowledge Predestined a bride for his son. The church would be called out from the sin contaminated bloodline of the world. Matter of fact, that's what the definition of the word church is. ecclesia, called out ones. (laughs) Glory. My, my, my. God the Father before Jesus was sent, through his foreknowledge he predestined a bride. That bride was going to be the church. But it could not be just anybody. Come on. It had to be those called out from the sin contaminated bloodline of this world. So Christ could have a pure bride without blemish. Christ, in turn, gave himself to purchase his bride out of the world. He's our Redeemer. Our father sold us out. Adam sold humanity out by his disobedience. But Jesus, like Hosea, the prophet of the Old Testament, God said, you go. (laughs) Hallelujah. Bro, my, 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 my. You go search out that woman, Amen, Amen, and you buy her back, Glory to God. Glory, Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you something, folks. Jesus paid for you. He bought you with His own blood. Hallelujah. You was contaminated by the sin of Adam. There was no purity in you at all. You was considered a dog and an outcast. And you were destined for destruction. I got to to move on. I mean, there's a rumbling inside my soul right now. Ephesians chapter 5 beginning at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. Why? Because the church is his bride. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church And gave himself for her. That he might sanctify. Here we go now. We're having some. We're having the blood purified. The contamination's taken away. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Let me tell you something. There's not a person in here who does not need the Word. Brother Kyle did a great job Wednesday night about talking about the Word and the writings. You see, we are cleansed with the washing of the water by the Word. The Word of God will cleanse you. It will purify you. If you will not only be a hearer, but if you will be a doer of that Word, it will purify you. It will take the contaminants out and make you fit for the kingdom of Christ and make you fit to be part of the bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That he might present to her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Folks, if you want to go with Jesus one day, you've got to get the contaminants side of your life. you got to be cleansed. Come on. You got to be cleansed. You got to be purified. That process is important. Now, remember that I told you that it was custom in the Old Testament times and for many generations, the father was the one who would go out searching for the bride. And that same thing is true for Jesus and the church. John chapter 6, verses 37 through 39. Let's read this. Notice what Jesus says here. He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What's he talking about, all that the Father giveth to me? He's talking about the souls being redeemed out of the world, out of darkness, brought into light. Amen. You see, the Spirit, God the Father, the Spirit, remember what I said, through his foreknowledge, predestinated, a bride. And Jesus says, everything that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. My, my, my. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. That's why I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear nothing that the world is worried about and losing their mind over. Hallelujah. I have been called out, I have been cleansed, hallelujah, amen, and Jesus has said, amen, that everybody, amen, that had been given to him, amen, would come to him and that he should lose nothing. John, let's move a little further down in the sixth chapter, John 6, verses, verse 44. Notice what Jesus says. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is the verse that I base the message that I preach on. You cannot Be saved and come to Christ anytime you want to. This is why it's so important that if you feel the Spirit of God tugging at your heart and drawing you when there's an altar call or whatever, you better never ignore that. Come on. You better not ever ignore that. Because the only time that you can come to God and be received is when that drawing comes to you. You can't, you can't just come because all of a sudden you get scared. Come on, amen, and you're afraid you're going to die. Hallelujah. you got to come when the Holy Ghost is pulling you. My, my, my. Hallelujah. One more scripture, and this we're going to move to another part. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses two and three. Listen to what this says. Now Paul here is talking. He said, "For I am jealous for you, with godly excuse me, godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that you may pre- that I may present you as a chaste." virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Folks, we've been betrothed to Jesus. We're under engagement. Hallelujah. Amen. And the reason why That betrothal has come about, amen, through the Spirit himself, through God the Father who has drawn us to him, caused us to want to yield our life over to God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know just as well as you're sitting there, amen, if it hadn't been for the Holy Ghost moving upon you, you would have never obeyed God. Years ago, Brother Bobby was being wooed by the Spirit of God, was pulling on him, and he said, Lord, if this is you, if this is right, you let Linda get up and go to the altar. Is that right? What happened? Hallelujah. Oh, that's what this verse is saying that I've been preaching to you about. Nobody can come to me unless the Spirit moves and draws them like he was drawing Bobby that night. Hallelujah. Amen. And when the Holy Ghost knew the only way to get Bobby out of that pew was to get Linda out first. So the here come the Holy Ghost and gave her a good swing and said, get up out of that altar. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You are valuable to God. You say, well, I don't understand because I'm not perfect. I don't care whether well, or not you're perfect or not Jesus thought you was to die for. <laughs> so that, let's not listen, amen, to the serpent, but let's continue to listen to the voice of God. I've got to move on. I've got to close. The second part, I'm going to end up by talking about Christ in the midst. Christ in the midst. That's, that's what we're dealing with. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Some apostolics are scared of this verse of Scripture, but it don't bother me because it's in the Word of God. I know what it means. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody was talking to me one time. He didn't like flying an airplane at all. He said, I'll never fly. Why won't you fly? He said, because Jesus says, lo, I am with you always. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah, I'm not sure that's what he meant, but uh, whatever, hallelujah. Now we know this, we know this to be, people call this the Great Commission, where God sent the church out, told them what to do. And in this commission, Jesus made a promise. He said, I'm going to be with you always. Jesus promised that he would be with us always. But do you know After he made this statement, he went away immediately after making this statement. These were the last words of Jesus on this earth before he was ascended. They were all standing there on the mount. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you always. He makes that promise. But then he leaves. How can we... Comprehend that. Did Jesus make a promise? Was he an ending giver? He said, I'm going to be with you always. But he, they stood there and watched him rise into the heavens. You remember Acts talked about that. They watched him as he rose up, and they were just standing there. And all of a sudden, two angels came and stood by them and said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into the heavens? Because this same Jesus, as you see go into heaven, shall come again in like manner as you see him go away. I believe he's coming back as he said, like he said. So they watched him go away. How in the world could he ever keep that promise? that I'm with you always. Listen to me. He keeps that promise by walking in the midst of the church by means of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Guess what? Jesus is here right now. He's here right now. He's here by means of the Holy Spirit. So he's with us always. He's with us always. John 14 and 16 will be the last scripture that I read for today. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Regular King James says, Comforter. That he may abide with you one day a week. He may abide with you on holidays, Christmas and Easter. That word abide, first of all, means to stay forever. He said, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Who was dwelling with them at the time? Was it not Jesus? He explains that in the very next verse, verse 18. I will not leave you orphans or I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to You. That's why when John turned around to see the voice of the one talking to him, he saw the candlesticks, seven of them. And in the middle of the candlesticks was the Son of Man walking in the midst. Woo, hallelujah. He's walking in the midst today. He's right here. He will be with us always. You see, I, I've just got—I've got to say this, brother. Brother Chase was talking about the fivefold ministry, and he brought out beautifully the different fivefold ministry. Jesus, if you remember, he—he he taught. He said that they were. He said they were. Uh, Jesus had seven stars in his hands. And he said, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. I am thank God of the, of the five-fold ministry, the pastor is the one in the hand of Jesus. Because of minister, uh, the minister the minister of each one of the church was the pastor, the, uh, uh, the one that God had placed the pastor. They were the stars. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the last seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And Jesus is walking in the midst oh hallelujah give the lord a hand clap of praise hallelujah let's stand together if you got a need today jesus is here this course comes to my mind, if you need a touch from God or you need something from the Lord, he's here. If he's drawing you to pray for any reason, don't never disregard that. Don't never quench the spirit of God. Because you may feel it today, but you have no guarantee that you'll ever feel it again. Hallelujah.